Welcome to Dairy Stream, focused on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, hi, it's nice to be with you today for this special edition of Dairy Stream. We're looking at what everyone's talking about, and that's the coronavirus, COVID-19, and its impact on agriculture in general and the dairy industry in particular. We're really honored today to have UW Dairy Economist, that is Mark Stevenson, known as the Director of Dairy Policy Analysis for the UW-Madison College of Ag and Life Sciences, and he's also the Director for the UW Center for Dairy Profitability. And again, Mark, it's great to have you on the program. Obviously, these are times we have never really dealt with before, and there's a lot of concern, a lot of questions out there. So we're hoping that knowing the expertise you have, you might be able to ease some fears and also to clarify some questions people have. And I guess the most obvious one is for our farmer listeners is if you can explain to them a little bit about the supply chain shift that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Oh, thanks, Mike. I would be happy to try and do that. Uh, Yeah, these are really quite unprecedented times. And in uh, my 40 years of working in the dairy industry here, I've, I've never seen anything that's had to happen like this. And yet our supply chain seems to be managing and handling it with a fair degree of aplomb. A couple of things have happened. Obviously, as we've in many states have had this uh, near shelter in place kind of a, um, edict, or at least uh, you know try to stay away from uh, clusters of other people, we are not going out to eat like we used to. And out-of-home consumption of dairy products accounts for probably a little more than a third of the sales in normal times. So this is a big change to be dropped from a restaurant and a food service organizations that quickly. And yet when we looked back to anything that came even close to this would have been the recession in 2008 and 9, and that was when people elected to stay home and not eat out quite as much, we saw that their behavior, their behaviors changed as well. There was more in-home consumption of dairy products. People went to the dairy case, bought an extra gallon of milk, took it home, and it was consumed. So during that time period, we had a slight bumper uptick in our fluid milk sales. And we are certainly seeing both of those things occurring right now shift from out of home to in home. And if you think about the out of home eating that's a bit more unique than in home eating, you have to look at cheese. And one of those products, of course, would be barrel cheese products where we make things like American single slices, the kind of cheese that gets put on a McDonald's hamburger. Um, Or uh, if you're pumping the semi-plastic cheese onto a plate of nachos, uh, that you know that can take place at home, but probably not as much as it does in a restaurant. So barrel cheese plants are seeing a, a decrease in demand for product. Fluid milk plants are scrambling, trying to keep up with orders. I want to do a little follow-up on that because there have been some questions coming in from producers and those involved in the industry saying, you know, hearing reports that, as you said, people are taking dairy products, milk in particular, off the shelves. It's hard for stores to keep up, yet they're obviously not seeing that reflected in their price. Is that because, you know, that's on the positive side, but without school going on, we're losing, obviously, that volume from students not getting milk for either the breakfast or lunch program. And as you said, on the cheese front, we're just not seeing that business on the restaurant front? You know, we, uh, <laughs> I think it's too early 
to really be able to tell you a lot about some of these numbers. I mean, if I were right on the front lines with folks, maybe I could offer a little bit more insight. But, you know, what what I can tell you is that uh, beverage milk consumption going through the school lunch system shuts down in the summertime anyway. So the industry is, is used to that type of thing. The other thing I would tell you is that that is maybe eight to nine percent of fluid milk consumption that goes through schools, and mm-hmm. uh, that could be like the maximum amount that's not happening because of schools. But I also know that a lot of our school systems have also been providing food to um, food insecure children in in many parts of the country. So lunches are being put together. I don't know if fluid milk is being, uh, you know, put in those uh, lunch packages, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they were. So this hasn't gone to zero. What about some of the stories we're hearing about? You just talked earlier about processors and depending if it's for fluid or for cheese production and and their side of the ledger they're on. But what about concerns that maybe we come to a point where processors have too much milk and farmers are told they're just not going to accept milk? Is, Is that a real concern? Well, it potentially could be. I mean, it certainly is a big concern if a dairy farmer finds out today that uh, his market for milk is is closed for some reason. Uh, And there could be a variety of reasons. That's a huge concern. You know, I suppose that in the spirit of uh, doing my part, any of my dairy producers could think that if I have to dump milk for a day, okay, but, you know, you don't want to do it at all. But even if you have to do it for two or three days, then you're talking about the entire profit that a farm could expect for the year. So dumping milk is a big deal. We need to find homes for it. So far we are. The markets have been in a reasonable balance. It's just shifting from one plant to another. So I'm hopeful that uh, we don't get into that circumstance. I think the bigger question could be whether dairy plants experience any disruptions because of too many workers that might be positively ID'd with COVID and be out of there, um, or possibly even milk haulers. There are many of our milk haulers that are just one or two truck operations. They probably don't have uh, a lot of backup that they could call for to to make the milk circuit and pick up pick up milk. But we've got a lot of flexibility in the system. And and I think we'll get through this without too many disruptions. We are getting some insights from Dr. Mark Stevenson on COVID-19. He is the Director of Dairy Policy Analysis at the UW-Madison College of Ag and Life Sciences and also Director of the UW Center for Dairy Profitability. And as I said, we are kind of focusing in on COVID-19 and what it means on the dairy front in particular, but agriculture in general. You did in an earlier part of our conversation talk a little bit about a recession. Uh, if we did have a recession problem, uh, how might that influence uh, a dairy producer and dairy prices? Well, recession is never a good thing. I mean, that just speaks of people who don't have uh, the incomes to buy everything that they've been buying before. And even though you know we are going to consume an adequate number of calories and, and food, it, it does change our dietary selection. And that will put us off uh, some of the, uh, the buying. And I'm especially concerned if we're really talking about worldwide recession. We had essentially that in that 2008 and 9, and none of us want to go back and think about the kind of price declines that we saw in 2009 in the dairy industry, you know, where we had uh, class three falling to the $10 range. If that happens, it's a deep plunge 
And we saw last time that producers responded pretty quickly by looking within their herds and asking every animal whether they were you know, pulling their weight. And if not, uh, we saw culls. So there were barns operating below capacity at that time, which is very unusual. And of course, that is part of the solution. That uh, tightening of the milk supply did bring prices back up reasonably quickly. Now, agriculture and dairy in particular, again, is a capital intense business. So, again, if we would have a recession or even just with the downward trending markets we have, how could this all affect uh, their ability when it comes to loans and borrowing? Well, I've been talking with a number of lenders um, around the state and and a few outside the state as well and just asking them, you know, (laughs) What, what's the, the plan book say for, you know, this kind of position that we're in? And important to remember that we aren't talking about necessarily that deep plunge, you know, from a relatively high place that we were at prior to 2008-9. We're talking about a plunge from what's been relatively low milk prices for the last five years. And farms have, many of them have exhausted working capital. They have drawn on equity to, you know, make sure that they've been able to pay down bills and things. And this has put a lot of farms in precarious positions. Balance sheets have shifted. There's by no means can we say across the board that every dairy farm is in dire circumstances. We know that there's quite a range. But I will also tell you that banks are not panicking about this. Most of them have said that dairy producers made a surprising amount of gain in the last quarter of 2019, the first month or two of 2020, in paying off bills, um, paying down some of the debt, and raising their working capital back up. So given the few months, there was a lot of good use of the partial recovery that we were in. And people feel as though most farms are credit worthy now. Well, that certainly is good news. Um, You did bring up the point, and we stress this quite a bit, that dairy now is part of a, a global industry. And knowing that some other countries were hit with this virus earlier than we were here in the U.S., is there anything that we're seeing in regard to impact and dairy in those other countries that might be able to help prepare us here in the U.S. or kind of give us a little bit of a roadmap of what could be happening? You know, this is an interesting question, and I wish I had some of those answers for you now. What I can tell you is I've already reflected that question to some of my colleagues overseas. Um, Hmm. I work with the International Farm Comparison Network, and I've asked them about what they've been seeing happening and uh, how have things changed. I haven't gotten much response back yet, but, you know, again, this is happening pretty quickly for me and for them. I did hear a little bit from Italy that, again, their product mix has changed as well. People are staying at home. But the response from uh, the person in Italy was was really to say that uh, they're used to preparing food at home. And so this is not that big a change for them, but that they were seeing more fluid milk consumption as well happening there. I don't know to what extent they've lost sales completely and have had to you know, back up or close down. But um, I have read about a couple of the countries that have said that it could be more of a problem. But I don't think that most of our countries, other countries are feeling that uh, this is something that they can't handle. It, it still feels like it's okay for them now. That seems to be true in New Zealand. Um, that seems to be true in uh, Germany, uh, where I was talking with another colleague there. But uh, I'll get better information, and I hope I could uh, answer this a little bit better later on. Again, we're spending time with Mark 
Stevenson. He's the Director of Dairy Policy Analysis at UW-Madison College of Ag and Life Sciences. And I have one more obvious question before we take a break, and that is the impact of the virus on markets and futures. A lot of people have thought the markets, you know, started to rally last year. They were feeling a little bit more optimistic about this year. It looked like we had finally reached the turnaround. Then this came about, and with COVID-19, we've seen a decline in the futures markets. Do you think we're coming near the bottom of that, or could we see yet a bigger drop in the futures? Well, first things uh, to say about that kind of a question is that futures are not um, our marketplace. They're an indication, Mm -hmm. a distillation of what everybody imagines will be happening, but we don't really know. And those futures markets, for the most part, really hate uncertainty. And boy, if uh, COVID-19 isn't uncertainty, I don't know what is. So I think that literally a few days, a few weeks, we have more information. How is this progressing? What are the impacts going to be? The markets will incorporate that. I think they're particularly on the cautious side right now, the pessimistic side for prices. But class four has taken a big hit. Class three, of course, has taken a big enough hit. But uh, it, it could be more. I, I literally don't know what to tell you uh, about that because we don't have enough information yet. All right. Well, I appreciate that. And again, when we talk about the futures, though, that's what we just talked about for dairy, similar to the meat and the grain markets as well? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, we do have you know a few pieces of information that are balancing. I mean, the grain markets are struggling with uh, lack of demand from ethanol plants, uh, mm-hmm. with Russia and Saudi Arabia putting a fair amount of oil on the market. And oddly enough, all the people that are closed in our homes are not driving as much. So our prices at gas stations nearby are at levels I haven't seen in, in in decades, really low. But that means that corn prices are dropping also in futures markets. And that's not a bad thing if you're using it as feed. It is not a good thing if you're trying to sell some corn to uh, pay for spring fertilizer. And of course, after last year's weather, there's enough challenges there on the feed front as well. Again, Dr. Mark Stevenson is our guest. When we return, we'll talk about trying to minimize a farmer's risk for the rest of this year. That coming up here on Dairy And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. On behalf of Zoetis, we would like to personally thank the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative for creating these very valuable podcasts. Education is key in our industry, and at Zoetis, we believe in supporting our partners in the industry to create and host informational opportunities like this that we can help make your operation more successful. While the industry has and will continue to see change, we at Zoetis and our partners stand ready to help support you in these changing times. On behalf of Zoetis, Thank you for your support. Well, nice to have you back with us on this special dairy stream dealing with COVID-19. Dr. Mark Stevenson is our guest. He's the Director of Dairy Policy Analysis at UW-Madison's College of Ag and Life Sciences and also Director of the UW Center for Dairy Profitability. We've been talking a bit about milk and dairy prices and trends. I want to now get into a little bit of dairy policy. And coming into this year, uh, Dr. Stevenson, there was a lot of optimism. There was the impression maybe farm prices were going to be on the rise, especially for milk. We saw that to end out the year, but uh, then came uh, COVID-19 and now markets have dropped. Uh, is there anything you see as far as available programs to help minimize this risk for the rest of the year? I'm talking about, you know, DMC or Dairy RP or even the CME. Certainly. I mean, if you had signed up for DMC and had bought up enrollment to 
to the, say, 950 level, you would be looking at payments this year. The unfortunate mm-hmm. thing was at the time of sign-up, futures markets uh, were not forecasting that we would have any payments through 2020. So many producers decided that either they would take the uh, the minimum coverage at no cost or else uh, they simply stepped out of the program. Um, we have almost uh, ha- lost about half the farms that have been signed up for 2019. Unfortunately, um, we now are seeing that uh, we're looking at payments from March uh, all the way through the end of the year for the 2019 year or the 2020 year, I mean, and some of those getting fairly uh, fairly deep, or at least what we would expect to see uh, as payments fairly deep. So, for example, in the May and June months, we're looking at right now a margin forecast as of yesterday's futures prices to be about $7.80, $7.75 in that range. So this has declined a lot from the $10, $10.5 margins that were being forecast just a couple of months ago. The other programs, uh, DMC is the only program that is based on the margins that Congress simply said, these are the ones you can protect and here's what the price is going to be for the program. Unfortunately, you can only sign up for that once a year or make an elected coverage once a year. The other programs that we have, all of them, whether you're talking about Dairy RP, whether you're talking about LGM Dairy, whether you're talking about um, cash forward contracts with a co-op or a plant or just hedging directly in the marketplace, all of those are dependent on what the futures market is offering at this point in time. And right now, those margins don't look good. So for most people, I think you would not look at, at these risk management programs at this point in time and say, I've got something I can do that looks uh, like it might be useful to me. I think you're protecting margins that probably most folks couldn't uh, really live with. That said, there have been agricultural and dairy organizations that already written letters to Congress. You think it's a situation where some government action is required to help turn things around or is it too early to really go in that direction? I would like to see it. I think that we've got that kind of opportunity. There, There certainly have been requests on the part of dairy farm organizations organizations to open DMC back up. And they've tried mm-hmm. to make the case that, look, we know it's risk management. And, uh, you know, if you really felt that your business was at risk, you should have signed up uh, even with the expectation that you weren't going to receive a payment this year. This is, after all, what risk is all about, what we're in right now. However, uh, this is a rather extreme case. And if you're looking at mechanisms that we have to directly put dollars into the hands of producers, that's one means of doing it. Now, admittedly, that is only for your historic milk production. And on many larger farms, that's inadequate protection. Uh, But for smaller farms, if they opened it back up and we could purchase at the 950 level, a lot of people would find that they are receiving some much needed cash. That's one thing. We do have money that's been allocated now, apparently, and our relief bill hasn't been signed by the House yet. Uh, but there were some $9 billion uh, for agriculture, and dairy was explicitly identified as one of the commodities in there. And there was another $14 billion for the Commodity Credit Corporation. We lack a lot of detail as to either what congressional intent would be for spending or how the mechanism would be 
uh, used to allocate that money to agriculture. But it will be spent one way or another. Perhaps as some direct payments to producers, like we had with the uh, market facilitation payments, or it might be that uh, the uh, USDA is instructed to use the money to purchase dairy products, maybe for donation through Section 32 programs, and just try to lift market prices instead of direct payments to producers. And I know this would just be a guesstimate, though, but I know that a lot of producers have heard about this and wondering when it might be available and how it could be used. When do you think we might start getting some details? I think details will be coming very quickly. I have calls into a couple people in Washington. I it's It just happens so quickly that I, I don't have any responses back from folks. And again, it's only the Senate that has passed this package. They did pass it, you know, with 100 percent yays. So that's pretty strong support. But the House hasn't passed it yet. They probably won't get to it until, you know, another couple of days. But we will see uh, very shortly. And if there are no changes by that point in time, I think that we'll have some folks that are writing the implementation rules and the game plans as to how that would be spent. Again, our guest is Mark Stevenson. He is the director of the UW Center for Dairy Profitability. And we're talking a little bit about COVID-19 and its impact on the dairy industry. And one of the more obvious questions people are asking are, you know, what conditions do we see as far as, you know, what might impact an increase in milk prices? I don't know if you have a crystal ball or not, but just in looking at that scenario, what do you feel might or needs to happen for prices to rebound? You know, this is going to sound like an answer from an economist, but. Okay, let's hear it. (laughs) Either demand has to be found and increased, you know, which basically would mean that uh, we uh, see domestic demand holding up really well. And maybe these robust sales out of retail are enough to do all of that. Or export demand becomes a bit more available from the countries that have been recovering from COVID, uh, like China, for example, or South Korea, they've been sales destinations for us. That's new demand. Or um, if the uh, relief bills that have been uh, passed by the Senate is going to stand in and purchase dairy products for giveaway through food needy programs, that's also new demand as well. So that's a possibility. Or to raise prices, supply has to shrink. And, you know, that basically means either fewer cows and or fewer farms. And it could also mean that um, we just simply don't push cows as hard. We've had poor quality feed here in the upper Midwest. And there's been some difficulty in maintaining as much increase in milk per cow as would normally be expected. But if we tone down the ration a little bit, I don't think that makes sense for a very short term uh, impact because you don't get the cow's production back until the next lactation. But if we expect this to be the better part of a year, that may be a sensible thing to do. Make the ration less expensive. You know, let's not push cows as hard. That's another strategy that could be used. Well, Dr. Stevenson, again, thanks for all the time and the insight. Appreciate it immensely. And I know the farming community and just the general public listening to this podcast are getting a lot of insight. Again, today we've had a special edition of Dairy Stream for you on COVID-19. And before we leave you, I want to ask Mark one more question, and that is just basic advice to dairy farmers during these uncertain times. What would your top points be to them as far as trying to get together and work through this problem? I'm really pleased to see how resilient our dairy supply chain seems to be. 
both from the production of milk um, through the pickup and on into the plants and the ability to ship things around. That has been better than I expected, and it makes me more hopeful that we can get through this without too much. But farms are going to need to be careful. They're also going to need to be careful financially. We know this is going to be a tough year. On top of tough years we've had in the past, most farms would have had their uh, operating loans um, secured by this point in time. But you better take a look at your cash flow projections. And if they look like we're going to have a shortfall as a result of these milk prices, be in communication with your banker. Make sure that uh, you can get any shortfalls covered that you may need. And then the final thing I would just say is be aware of your emotional health. We've had plenty of producers that have been distraught at working hard and not being able to pay bills um, over the last three and four years. So if you're feeling like this is just the straw that's about to break you, then uh, get help. There is help available. People will talk to you. You're not alone in this. It's not your fault. You know, we uh, we together, I think, can be stronger than we can be uh, apart. Again, my thanks to Mark Stevenson, Director of Dairy Policy Analysis at the UW-Madison College of Ag and Life Sciences and also director of the UW Center for Dairy Profitability. Mark, thanks for your insights and candor. It has been a pleasure having this conversation with you and want to thank all those of you that have been listening. A special thanks to Joanna Guza. Joanna has done an excellent job engineering and co-producing today's dairy stream. Again, thank you all and stay safe. Hey, thanks for listening to Dairy Stream. We value your feedback, so let us know what you thought and what you'd like to hear by emailing us at podcast at dairyforward.com.